Hi, and welcome to Pacifim Christian Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy today's message, that it will both challenge and inspire you. Okay, let's turn to our Bibles this morning. Let's turn to the Word of God. And I'm, I'm reading a whole large passage, but the truth is I'll probably only speak about one verse. Uh, last week I read the same passage and I only got two verses out, and I think I'm only going to get one verse out today. In fact, I know I'm only going to get one verse out today. Uh, so... Let's get into it straight away, but I'll continue to read the whole passage because it's important, not just for context, but hopefully as we're reading it, as you're reading it, something will stick. All right? So Ephesians 5, and I'm reading from verse 8 to 21. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness and truth, finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. But all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light. For whatever makes manifest is light. Therefore, he says, awake ye who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. Walk in wisdom. So see then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Therefore do not uh, be, be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not be drunk with wine, which leads to dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God. Praise God. You know, I'm just, as I'm reading that, I'm thinking, I could be preaching this the rest of the year. There's an advert for you or a warning. But don't let it twitch you off because it'll probably be good. All right? Uh, But let's get to the point. Last week we focused on verse 8 to 10. And we started with the criteria for salvation, which Jesus said is repent and believe. And it doesn't get more simple than that. Um, and that's, we started there because that's what basically verse 8 is. So once you're in darkness, but now you're light. Once you were darkness, now you're light. Uh, we turned from darkness and we headed towards the light. We repent and we believe. Okay, that's where we were last week. We talked about the importance of fusing the two words together because repentance on its own keeps us in regret and sorrow. Belief on its own never acknowledges or deals with sin, so you never really get free from it. You just cover it up, but are still controlled by it, right? So we need to fuse those two words, those two actions together. Repent and believe, they need to be fused together. Uh, so repentance with belief causes us to turn away from the regret and the sorrow, takes us to a place of freedom and empowerment for a new way of thinking, a new way of doing life, one that doesn't cause regret or sorrow. So, so that's where we were up to last week. And I needed to remind us of that so we can get into Ephesians 5.11. In 5.11 it says, And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. There's a few related issues in this verse that must be addressed. We must address them. So first, let's talk about the use of the word fellowship. We have no fellowship. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. It refers not only to 
practicing them, but being connected to them in any way at all. Right? That's the word, the fellowship there, and, and having no part of that fellowship with unfruitful works of darkness. Let, let me say, it just doesn't refer to not stop practicing them, but it says don't be connected to them either in any kind of way at all. Firstly, I hope that we're all mature enough to realize it's not referring to a moment when we instantly cease from all works of darkness. I wonder how many people in this room can testify this morning that they experienced a moment when all works of darkness ceased in their lives completely. Is there anybody here? Because if you are here and that is true, then I need to hand the mic to you and sit down and listen very carefully because i got to confess there's still things I'm working on. Anybody want the mic right now? Okay. So we're all in the same class. We've realised, we've experienced the life enough, we're mature enough, we've, we've got enough understanding to realise that all the works of darkness don't stop in a single moment. It's not like we repent and sin, bang, whoo, they're gone. There are some things that did leave immediately, but there's another, a lot of things that took a while to happen. Isn't it that true? And I'm sure we've all got testimonies like that. And usually, like the main obvious things, like, you know, um, the things that everybody else can see. Sometimes the things that nobody else can see take longer than the things that everybody... But I don't know why God does that, but it takes a season and a time for that to happen. So um, we know that we're talking about a process. The journey, or the outworking, if you like, of our sanctification. Um, are you waving at me or that beautiful little girl there? Okay. Uh, easily distracted, I see. Do I need to repeat and start again? No, we're right. You got the main point so far? Good, okay. Maybe if, if she comes up and stands next to me, I might get more attention. Anyway, okay, we'll keep going. Um, the, the deal is this, um, our forgiveness is instantaneous. We know that, don't we? The moment we repent, the moment we believe, we are forgiven. Such is the work of the cross. Such is the power of the blood of Jesus. It's instantaneously. From that moment when we've turned and repented and believed, from that moment God looks at us and he, he does not see sin. We look so much like Jesus right then, he falls in love with us. It's instantaneous. We, I know we wrestle with shame and guilt and all that kind of stuff, but in the eyes of God, so powerful is the blood of Jesus that the moment it's applied, it works. We're forgiven. We're forgiven of everything we've done. We're forgiven of everything we're doing. We're forgiven of everything we're going to be doing. Would you agree or I want to argue? We're forgiven. We're cleansed. Uh, but that process of getting free from that and getting cleansed from that and getting sanctified from that, that takes time. That's the process we're talking about. See, in 1 John, memory verses. You should know these verses off by heart. 1 John 1, nine. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. See, it's all on God's part. It's nothing we do, it's everything he does. He paid the price. 
He was tempted in every way that we're tempted, but he never fell. He, he, he endured all that stuff as an innocent man so that we could have the benefits, right? He's paid the price in full. So it's all God's work. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. In, in 2 Corinthians 5.21, another memory verse. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Let me tell you, uh, and I have heard this scripture twisted, Jesus never became a sinner. He never became a sinner. He's not guilty of any sin. But he became sin. And he took the full penalty upon himself. Right, so the point I'm trying to make is that I want to encourage and remind and ensure that everybody here knows that as soon as you repent and believe, you are forgiven. Because it said based on what he did, not based on what you did. All right? But there's, there's also now this process that begins when we first repent and believe. So listen to Jesus now, and I'm reading from John 13, 1 to 10. Again, so you get the context, and I'll probably just address one verse, but here we go. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, and that he should depart from this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And supper being ended, the devil having already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going to God. There's a huge key right there, knowing who you are. But anyway, let's not get sidetracked. Rose from supper and laid his, aside his garments, took a towel and girded himself. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. We're getting to the main point. Pay attention now. Ready? Then he came to Simon Peter. And Peter said to him, Lord, are you washing my feet? And Jesus answered and said to him, What I am doing you do not understand now, but you will know after this. Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no part with me. Right, that's significant, important. Keep that in mind. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. I think it's an appropriate, Peter's an appropriate response, right? I think it's an appropriate response and I could see myself doing something like that. Jesus said to him, he who is bathed it's only to wash his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not all of you. That last bit was referring to the betrayer. So they who were bathed, there was a difference between the word bathed and washed, by the way. But those who were bathed, they had been bathed because they repented and they believed. They were in a relationship with him now. He had secured everything for them. But he says, you are bathed, but you need to wash your feet. Now, it's a bit obvious, but I'm going I'm to point it out anyway. Uh, we need to wash our feet because of the journey we're on. 
we bathe, we're cleansed, but the journey we're on sometimes defile us, can dirty our feet. And he talks specifically about the feet because he's mentioning the journey that we're all walking. We got it? Okay. The journey can, at times, make us weary. Physically? Emotionally? Mentally? <clears throat> Where is out? Um, and it's in those times where we can pick up offences. We get a little sloppy. We justify bad habits. We get an attitude. We get resentful. Uh, we justify stuff that technically isn't right, but we use the situation and circumstance to justify it, and so we do it. Uh, we could make the whole list, and I'm sure already that nearly everybody in the room would understand what I'm talking about. The journey can be wearisome at times, and because of that, we're prone to stepping in stuff. We're cleansed. But going back to what Jesus says, you still got to get your feet washed. If you don't wash your feet, you can't be a part of what he's doing. So even though you're cleansed, you still got to get your feet washed. We need to be so careful on this journey. We, we really need to pay attention. We, we need some people around us, our spouses, but other people around us who are, who are with us on the journey to be paying attention too. That, that might subtly and form a new cold word, a password, and say, very gently and lovingly, time to wash your feet, brother. Without us getting offended. Time to wash your feet. You've been on this journey a while, and I've noticed that, you know, you're upset with some people. They're not listening. They're not doing. They're not being part. They're actually hindering. They're making your job harder. They're making it more difficult. You know. And they're going around being a really bad example and destroying the work that you've done years in building up. And so, you know, understandably, you're getting cranky with them, but it's affecting your attitude, your motivation. I understand that, you know, um, there was a survey done. Roland Croucher, anybody heard of Roland Croucher? I think he had the biggest Baptist church in Melbourne, I think, at one stage, and he... He brought this wonderful book, but he did this huge survey and, and they found out that 50% of ordained ministers were out of the ministry. And it wasn't because of any sin, it wasn't because of adultery or anything like that, it wasn't even because of um, money, it wasn't even because of, of bad doctrine. And all those are evident and they used to get the highlight, but basically... Nearly all of them were at the ministry because of strife in the church. Because of trouble in the church, right? And the deal was, on their journey, they got to a place where they needed their feet washed, and, but there was no one around. Because in that, you can't see that yourself. You think you're justified. You get angry. You, you understand what I'm talking about, don't you? you you've done it yourself. You get angry at your spouse. 
and maybe good reason. Deb, don't hit David like that. Oh my goodness, poor old David. Domestic violence, that's right. I need to talk to the secretary of the board now to see if we have to report that. Is it a reporting issue? All these new rules I'm learning. I'll come back to that. Um, but honestly, we just need someone to say, maybe you need to get your feet washed. I know you love Jesus. I know you serve Jesus. Dave, did you just ask Debbie to wash your feet? He did? Oh my goodness. It's turned into the Dave and Debbie show. Um, but we need someone to say, I know you love Jesus, and I know you're doing your best to serve him, and you think you're doing the right thing, but perhaps you need to just to take a break and get your feet washed. Jesus said, unless I wash your feet, Peter, we can't do this together. So in those times when we get weary, pick up offences, get a little sloppy, justify bad habits... Even though we are forgiven of all our sins, we still need to wash our feet because there's parts of the journey that will defile us if we're not careful. Interestingly, um, we have this one event that's instantaneously operating in faith. You believe, you repent. You're forgiven, you're washed, cleansed, right? God starts this wonderful process you're journeying on. And we've got to get in our heads that process that, that, that there is this one time, this, this decision, this choice, this event, a, a one-off time when, bang, stuff was done because Jesus already paid the price for it. We just stepped into what the benefits of what he did, right? But we need to understand that the grammar's a little bit differently. There's this one-off event, but then there's the continual washing. Water through the word. It's like in this passage, and I can't wait for us to get there, which might be next year, but later on in the passage it said, be filled with the Spirit. And you know, you've heard this preach. You've been in churches most of your life. You've heard this preach before. That isn't a one-off event. That isn't just, the, the grammar says there, the continual infilling it's not just, I'm filled with the Spirit once and that's it, I've got everything. No, no. He's saying there's a continuation, there's a continual infilling. And, and sometimes we, we don't understand that, but that's why we need to be waiting on the Lord and seeking Him and being open and all that kind of stuff all the time. But, but can you see the difference there? There's this time when, bang, wow. And, and to a degree, everything just changed. I'm forgiven. My name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life. I'm assured of my place in eternity with Him. And it's all secured. It's done, deal, sealed right there and then. But then there's this other thing that's a continual, a continual cleansing. Yeah? Um, it's like repentance. We talked a lot about repentance last week and I opened up the dictionary and used the words they used. I read word for word where it talks about repentance. 
but it, but I also got to the part where it talks about the sorrow and remorse and all. But it also talks about literally turning 180 degrees. You've all you've been around in church, you know this. Repentance is turning and heading the opposite way. Once you're darkness, turn around, head to light. That's repentance. Well, we talked about that last week. Uh, and if you need to hear it again, it's on Facebook somewhere or YouTube or something. Um, but the deal is repentance isn't just a one-off event either. Repentance is continual. I, I liken it to this. We're on this journey, see? And, and you know, we're all on this journey from darkness to light, from, heaven, uh, so, so from hell to heaven, from, from Satan to the Lord Jesus, the Son of God. We're, we're on this journey, right? And so we're walking. We've had this big turnaround, this major repentance here. We turned around 180. We're on this journey. Every now and again, we just need to tweak it a bit. Who was it was talking about um, on a journey, you can be just a degree out and over a short distance, you might just miss your town and be in the neighbouring town. But if you're catching a plane, you might be in a completely different country. Who, who was that? Someone. Shane. Did Shane say that? Oh, must be good then. Shane said it. Everything seems. So, but here's the thing. I like in our journey, like, and repentance in our journey is like we're getting to a place and we just tweak a little bit to get us back on course. So, so repentance in a one-off event, it's, it's a habit. It's a continual thing. We'll be walking and then we realise, wait a minute, um, off course a little bit, need just to check, let, need to tweak this a little bit. That's called repentance. You might not have to turn 180 degrees, you might just have to tweak it a few degrees to get you back on course. Make sense? Anybody think I'm preaching heresy? Or? But, but isn't that true? If you look, isn't there times in your life where you've, sort of gone off track, but then something's happened to bring you back. I hope in that place you repented. That's what repentance is. It's changing direction, isn't it? It's, it's getting things right, making things right. Oh, I don't know if everybody's sort of like, not sure about that bit, but that's, that's just like repentance. One big one, 180 degrees. And on the journey, keep just taking it, just... Keep tweaking it. And sometimes we get sidetracked, distracted, disillusioned. But we can always stop and just tweak it a little bit by, Lord, forgive me. I got distracted. I put my eyes on something else. I wanted something else. I, I valued something more. Please forgive me and cleanse me of this. Deliver me of this. And, and I find that, you know, We'll be doing that continually till we're standing face to face with him. The end of the journey when we get there and we're just literally face to face and every, all of a sudden, the Bible says when we're face to face, all of a sudden I can see like we're seen. Everything changes, I become more like him. But until that time, it takes a lot of tweaking. Am I right or am I wrong? Hopefully, I, I'm, not, I'm not wanting to manipulate or condemn. I'm hoping to encourage someone is it time to do a bit of tweaking? I mean, I could stand here and say, you foul, vile sinners, repent! <laughs> or I could say, hey, is it time just for a little adjustment? 
just need to tweak this a little bit. Probably the same thing, but a lot nicer. What do you reckon? Many of us will realise we'll get to some places where we found ourselves way off course and we could have prevented a whole lot of trouble if we would have tweaked it early. But anyway, it's still time to get back. Still time. Just need a bit of tweaking. Are you tweaking, Marie? So repentance isn't just a one-off event, it's, it's like a consistent thing, like being filled with the Spirit. It's a consistent thing. Be continually filled. Be continually re- repenting. Uh, the trouble is we don't understand the word better, so I feel tweaking like is more... Just tweak this thing a little bit. Get us back on course line. So uh, it's like regularly tweaking the journey to make sure we're on the right path, ensuring that we get to our destination. Another thing about this word fellowship... Have no fellowship with unfruitful works of darkness. Have no association. Have no connection with the unfruitful works of darkness. Making sure we aren't seen to be consenting or approving. Especially to those we care for because it gives them reason to justify or excuse what they're involved in. So many times... So many times when, when we find people we care for, we love, uh, sometimes we loosen up a little bit, relax the rules a little bit. We just sort of, oh, well, okay, uh, this is a lesser of two evils. I'd rather have you doing this evil than that evil. And so we sort of consent or, or, or it's seen as it's all right to do that. It's, we're giving approval to it. But, but the bottom line is, when we do that, those who we think we're helping take it as a justification. Oh, well, it's all right then. If they said that, if they allow that, then there's nothing wrong with this. I can keep doing this. And we actually get them more bound up than they were before. So lovingly and carefully, we have to get to a place where we, we have nothing to do. We don't consent. We don't approve. We have nothing to do with, with the works of darkness. Um, let me show you something in Romans 6.19. Paul explaining some stuff, but there's a principle in here I want you to see. I speak in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. For just as you presented your members as slaves to, of uncleanliness and of lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members to slaves of righteousness for holiness' sake. Did you notice that? Lawlessness leading to more lawlessness. That's what happens. More iniquity that leads to more iniquity. Works of darkness that lead to more works of darkness. There is no benefit. There is no advantage advantage at all in any of the works of darkness. Any of the works of darkness. He said, I have absolutely nothing to do with them at all for the sake of those that you care for. Because if you allow, if you think this is the lesser, so we'll just, that's all right. What, what you're actually doing is saying it leads to more. Lawlessness leads to more lawlessness. Iniquity leads to more iniquity. Works of darkness, left unchecked, leads to 
more works of darkness. Can you get my point? Sometimes the old-fashioned phrase was tough love. Sometimes we've got to be firm in our love. One more thing. What time's lunch? (laughs) One more thing about the use of that word fellowship. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. And I I really really want us to notice this one. I, I really want to get your attention and brand us with this. Okay? I want you to notice, have no fellowship with the unfruitful works. I really, really want us to notice that it says, have no fellowship with the works of darkness. It does not mention the people who might be trapped in the works of darkness. I, I, I know it's obvious, but I really want to really impact. I want to brand us with this. Let us be branded with this. We'll have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. But boy, are we going to love on those people that are caught in its trap. In the past, we've often, and we've justified it with misuse of scripture and an attempt to be righteous as holy. And really, it's a frustration of our powerlessness. But in the past... We've separated ourselves from the people who were locked in darkness. But he didn't say that. He said, have nothing to do with the works of darkness. See, see, we're the light. We're supposed to step into that and shine the light. But what we do, what we've done in the past is, is a traditional religious thing where we think we're being more holy uh, or it's too difficult, it's too hard, or they deserve it, or that judgmental thing, Wh- whatever it was, we step back. We separate ourselves from the people instead of the works. We've s- we got to separate the works from the people and we've and we got to get in and have all fellowship with the people. Now, they might not enjoy that. They might not like it. They might be the ones, and this happens a lot, they might be the ones who can't stand it and leave. And then they blame me for it. You're always judging me. That's sort of a hint for, you know, I'm feeling really convicted right now. Usually, there are cases when people do step out of line and judge people, but usually that, they throw that at you. you. Why are you always judging me? Well, I'm not actually judging you at all. I'm here loving on you a bit, trying to. Uh, so they might decide to leave. And, 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 of course, they can. But we keep praying, hopefully one day they'll come back. Can I tell you a secret? Can I tell a secret? There's someone that used to be part of this church. And in the process of loving on them, they were a little bit felt judged and left. And we were, let's say, prerogative they're free to do that that's the danger of freedom you're free to leave if you want to leave um but we've been praying we've been praying for many years we've been praying and i get a notice uh we get a notice from a treasurer see we have nothing to do with the money 
I have a treasurer to say, stop, don't spend any more, you haven't got enough. We have nothing to do with the money, but, but she's on top of it because of accountability's sake for, for that very reason. She let us know the other day, you know that this person put some money in the churches, they paid some tithes to the church this week. And I'm going, wow. It, it might have only been the widow's mite, but you know what Jesus said about the widow's mite? I thought, maybe there's some healing. Maybe something's happening here. And then a couple, about a month later, was it a month or two weeks? Two weeks later, there was another amount came in. Wow, God's doing something. It's huge. It, it might not seem like much, but you know, when money's involved, it's like huge. So they might get angry with you. They might accuse you of stuff. They might leave. But keep praying. Keep praying. I know some of us have got sons and daughters, grandchildren even, family members, who we've been trying to help and witness and they've twisted it and accused us of stuff and run away, don't want to see you anymore, called us foul names. Can I encourage you? Just keep praying. Keep praying. Holy Spirit is moving and doing some really amazing things. And it might not be like earth-shaking, get the attention of everybody in the community, but, but in the spirit realm, it's huge. One little step. Maybe they're tweaking some stuff. So let's not separate ourselves from people, but let's separate ourselves from the works of darkness. Let's have nothing to do with them. We are the light. And, and, and they are the reason we exist. We exist because Jesus loves those people so much. He absolutely loves them. And, and as Shane has taught us so well, God loves people more than rules. He always has. It's just we've never seen it before because we don't know how to read the Bible properly. Never seen it before. We're, we're, we're still sort of trapped in failing to understand the progressive nature of the revelation of the Word of God. That through the Word of God... Literally, chronically, there's a progressive developing, a progressive revealing of the, of the truth of God until, until we see it finally there with Jesus on the cross saying, Forgive me, Father. Forgive them, Father. They know not what they do. Such is the love. It's the reason we exist. Let, let me finish, and I, I mean it this time. Let, let me finish with Matthew four sixteen and 17. The people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. And upon those who sat in the region and the shadow of death, light has dawned. From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. You know, Jesus went to so many places that the religious leaders would not go. And he got criticised for it. 
But he was having nothing to do with the fruit of the darkness, the fruitlessness of he was had nothing, but he was there for the people. He went into brothels, sat with prostitutes, because he loved the people. He he went to tax collectors and great sinners because he loved the people. He had nothing to do with the works of darkness, but he was solely there. Oh, that we might be the same. Thank you for listening to our podcast. We hope you were blessed with today's message. You can connect with us at pacifentchristianchurch.com.